Let us go to God. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning for this day. We're thankful for being able to be in your house, worshiping together. And I just thank you for all these children. It is so wonderful to see these children here. And they're singing so well, Lord. I hope you really enjoyed them singing. I thank you, Lord, for how you're blessing us. And Lord God, we pray for those who are uh, experiencing a loss during this season. But we know if they know Jesus Christ, they're experiencing Christmas with you on your birthday. And Lord God, we're so grateful that you died on Calvary, that we would be able to have eternal life with you. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. And Lord, we lift up our pastor. We're very grateful that you sent her and her family, her husband, her kids. And Lord, I pray for an anointing on her because, Lord God, she's given her life to sharing what you tell her. So please tell her a lot of things that she can share with the people. I ask you, Lord, that your, that your blessing be upon her. Let the words in her mouth be your words. Lord God, let all her flesh stay inside, die down, and be alive in her spirit to Christ that we might hear you clearly. I ask you, Lord, whatever you've laid on her heart today, let there be power with it, Lord God. Confirm the word with times following. I ask you, God, to bless her, to bless this congregation. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. All right, I want to do a couple of quick announcements before we dismiss the kids. Can you hear me okay? Is this working? No, it's not. All right, so first, I want to thank all of the volunteers from yesterday who helped with the children's Christmas party. We had over 30 children in the ages of 4 to 12. thank Vieta and Lori especially. They put a lot of organization into this. They came here early. They came here throughout the week. They helped move tables and it was well organized and fun. I think everyone had fun. And also next weekend we are going to go Christmas caroling. If you're interested in going Christmas caroling, we're going to go caroling at 4 p.m. December 10th. And if it rains, we are going to go on the 23rd if it rains. Um We'll meet here, so meet here at 4 p.m. next Saturday for caroling. Um, we also are going to have a traditional candlelight service this Christmas Eve. You might notice some chairs set up out there. We're going to set up a bunch of chairs out there because it gets kind of crowded in here. I see every row is has lots of people in it this week, and so on Christmas Eve there will be even more, and so I'm hoping that that space out there will provide a, a nice space for Christmas Eve service. And last but not least, we still have that quilt contest going on. So if you haven't voted today, you can vote once per week. So you can vote this week and next week right out there for your favorite, prettiest, ugliest quilt. Because that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any questions, you can see Lori about voting. And now the children may be dismissed. I also I loved watching the children singing that last song. But the children may be dismissed for Children's Church. Today we are in week two of our Advent sermon series, Let Us Adore Him. And in this Advent season, we are counting down the days until Christmas. Does anyone remember how many days there are until Christmas? 21 days, yep. 
That's the day that we celebrate Christ's birth. It's the reason for the season, but we are not only anticipating the birth of Christ, we are also, as we discussed last week, thinking about and anticipating the second coming of Christ. Christ has promised that he will return to us once again, and we look forward to that day. Today, we will be reading from Romans 15, 4 through 13. And if you are able, please stand in honor of reading of the word. Romans 15, 4 through 13. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude towards each other, similar to Christ Jesus' attitude. That way you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together with one voice. So welcome each other in the same way that Christ also welcomed you for God's glory. I'm saying that Christ became a servant of those who were circumcised for the sake of God's truth in order to confirm the promises given to the ancestors, and so that the Gentiles could glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, because of this, I will confess you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praises to your name. And again, it says, rejoice, Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and all the people should sing his praises. And again, Isaiah says, there will be a root of Jesse, who will also rise to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will place their hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and faith so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today, the second Sunday of Advent, and this morning, we lit the candle for peace. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We long for and anticipate that coming day of peace. The day that Christ comes again and makes all things right. Christmas is the season where we talk a lot about peace. Even those outside of the church talk about peace on earth during this season. Have you ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special? There's a scene where Linus talks about peace on earth and he has his security blanket and he drops it to the ground when he's talking about Jesus and the peace on earth that Jesus brings. We even sing about it at Christmas time. Have you ever heard of the song, Let There Be Peace on Earth? Or Bing Crosby's, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Morning. We talk about peace on earth, but does it ever feel impossible? Is it possible for there to be peace on earth right now, right here? We live in a world full of violence, both locally and globally. There's a war going on in Ukraine right now. And so this idea of peace on earth, it sounds a lot like a fairy tale to me sometimes, or a far-off dream. If you're following the Bible reading plan, which is out there on the Welcome Center, one of the passages for today, the one from Isaiah, it reads kind of like a fairy tale. It's a vision of the future, but it's an unexpected scene. The wolf, it says the wolf will lie down with the lamb, and the leopards will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and the little child will lead them. Can you imagine a child leading a lion, or a leopard laying down with a goat? 
The passage, it goes on to say that the cow and the bear will graze together. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right into the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord just as the water covers the sea. That picture, it sounds like peace on earth, all these animals living together in peace. Isaiah, he gives us this vision of the weak and the strong, the prey and the predator, and they're living at peace together. But it's not our current reality. Back in Oregon, there's a wildlife park where they have a cheetah and a dog who live together, but they were raised together from young cub and puppy but you don't see that kind of thing too often, where the predator and the prey are living together, the weak and the strong. So is this vision of peace on earth possible here and now? As I was preparing for this message, I was reading a commentary that was published all the way back in 2019. And I know that doesn't sound like it was that long ago, but as I was reading it, it felt kind of dated to me. And the author, she, she was quoting an article from Time Magazine that was written back in 2017. In the article, it said, the Pew Research Center found that across the range of issues, from immigration to race, security, and the environment, the partisan split is now greater than differences in age, race, gender, and income. The center has all but vanished. The whole article, which was written in 2017, was all about how deeply divided we are in the United States of America. The article went on to say that you could conclude that the United States of America is so deeply divided that our name is a little more than wishful thinking. And the reason I thought this article felt dated was because this was written before COVID-19. It was written before the most recent presidential election, and I think our society has only divided further. We're divided more and more. So is there any hope for peace on earth? Is there any hope for peace in America? We live in a divided world and a divided country and it's impacting our communities, our churches, and even our families. I know some blood relatives who won't even speak to each other because of political divides. So what are we to do? Is peace on earth possible? In today's passage, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. They're dealing with some disagreements, so disagreements are not new. And the, the people in the church, they were not seeing eye to eye. They were judging each other. The Apostle Paul, he tells them to have the same attitude towards each other, similar to Christ Jesus's attitude, so that we can glorify God with one voice. He goes on to say, so welcome each other in the same way that Christ has welcomed you. Does that sound possible today? Is it possible for us to speak with one voice, to have the same attitude towards each other as Christ, to welcome each other as, as Christ has welcomed us? The church in America is divided and our culture is divided. Why are our church also churches also divided? Not this church, although I'm still getting to know you, but... I've been impressed. But when Jesus was born, did you know that Jesus was born during a time of peace? Have you ever heard that before? There was this popular slogan across the Roman Empire when Jesus was born. It was known as the Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. 
The Pax Romana, it lasted for about 200 years. It started before Jesus was born and lasted for a while longer. And it was a time of where the Roman Empire experienced peace and prosperity. It was a time of great growth and economic prosperity. The Roman Empire was leading the way in economic growth and technological advances. It was a time of great peace and prosperity, but it wasn't true peace. It was peace by coercion. It was peace by brute force and brutality. In the Roman Empire, when people got out of line, they crucified them. That's how they found peace. The Pax Romana was a popular idea of peace, but it came at the expense of the weak and the vulnerable. Fear and coercion are not the way to peace. So how can we obtain peace on earth if we can't force it? How can we find it? When I was little, I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, the denomination that we're a part of, and I attended a private Christian school, and at my school, I wasn't allowed to dance. It used to be against what I'm going to call the rules. It used to be in the Church of the Nazarene manual that we couldn't dance. And at my school, we weren't allowed to have dances, and so we had banquets. We had the homecoming banquet, and we had the junior-senior banquet, which is also known as prom, but without the dancing, we just had fancy food. And Austin's grandma, she likes to tell a story about how when she was growing up, it was against the rules to go to the movie theater, but she loved going to the movies, and so she would sneak out and go to the movies because it was against the rule. And when Paul writes this letter to the Romans, the people in the church, they're in disagreement about the rules. What are the rules? There were Christians who wanted to eat the meat that was sold into the market, and there were other Christians who said this was wrong. And in those days, it made sense for it to be wrong because when meat was sacrificed to idols, they would then take that meat and sell it in the market. And so you never knew if the meat you were buying in the market was used to be sacrificed to idols. And so they believed that it was wrong to eat the meat from the market because it had been sacrificed to idols. But there were others who said, it's not wrong to eat the meat. We give thanks to God. The meat came from God. We give thanks and glory to God. We can eat the meat. And so there was this disagreement. Who's right? Should we eat the meat or not eat the meat? And Paul, he said in Romans 14, he said, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And in this passage that we read today in Romans 15, he urges them to have the same attitude in mind of that of Jesus Christ. This echoes Paul's letter to the Philippians, where he says in Philippians 2, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind. That's that word again, one mind. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others as more valuable than yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have that same mindset as that of Christ. That's a tall order and one that doesn't always seem possible. But as Paul says in Romans 15, it is God who gives us the endurance and the encouragement to have that same attitude in mind towards each other. 
Our job is just to yield our hearts to God. And Paul, he goes on to say that it's not our place to judge others. God will be the judge. And Paul here, he's careful to say that we are not to be a stumbling block to others. The emphasis is on the strong watching out for the weak. If dancing or going to the movies or eating meat is causing another to stumble, then maybe it is best to avoid it. Even if those things aren't wrong in and of themselves, and I'm not saying here that you shouldn't dance or eat meat or go to the movies, I'm just saying we don't want to cause others to stumble. This is why I personally don't drink. It's not because I think drinking is wrong because it doesn't say that in the Bible, but it's because I've seen the devastating effects it can have on people and families, alcoholism and addiction. They can tear families apart. And as a pastor, I would rather just say no so that I can stand in solidarity with my friends who are in recovery. Paul's focus in Romans 15 isn't on what is best for me and my relationship with Christ, whether I can eat meat or not, but the focus is on what is good for our neighbor, what builds up the community. To live in community means that we're looking out for the well-being of others. It sometimes means we put aside our own preferences and desires for the sake of community. It's not, what, it's not just what's best for me, but what is best for the community. There's a song that I sometimes hear at Christmas time. I mentioned it earlier. The song, Let There Be Peace on Earth. In the lyrics, it says, Let there be peace on earth and let it begin in me. I don't know if we'll ever see peace on earth in our lifetime quite like the Bible describes. I think that that is for Christ's second coming because as long as we live in a fallen world, there will be violence and brokenness. But we can let peace live in us and through us. We can let there be peace on earth beginning in us, in our lives, and we can share that with those around us. We can sow, we can sow seeds of peace in our community. We can live as examples of peace for others. In Romans 12, that we talked about, I think my first week here, in Romans 12, Paul says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I don't know that it's possible to live at peace with everyone, but we can try. We can pray to God for God to give us the strength and encouragement and endurance to live at peace with everyone, to be a light of peace to a broken world. We're going to end today in communion. Communion is a practice of Christian unity. In the Church of the Nazarene, we practice open communion, which means that you don't have to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene to partake in communion. It's for anyone who acknowledges that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And even if you've never prayed that prayer before, communion is a response, meaning that you can respond and come up and take communion and let that be your prayer saying that, Lord, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Communion is also an act of Christian unity. We join together with those around us, those around the world who take communion as the body of Christ. We remember that which was broken. And it was on that night that Jesus was betrayed, that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We do communion in remembrance of Christ. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to have Austin come up here with the communion elements. I'm going to invite you all to come up, and I will give you one of these cups. And we'll go back to our seats and partake of the elements together. Um, We don't have any background music for this part, so first row, second row. This is the body of Christ and blood. 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 This is the body of Christ and You're following me again, aren't you? Let me leave you to
the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless until everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Drink this in remembrance of Christ. The worship team may come forward. Lord, we thank you for these elements, Lord. And we pray that you will bless us today as we sing this final song, as we go out with a benediction, Lord. I pray that you will bless us this week, that you will be the peace in our life, Lord. And we give all the thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.